0: true crime can be strangely fascinating this true crime is odd macabre and haunted i'm diane your guide into the shadows welcome to phantasmal crime cemeteries tell stories. If you're willing to listen, a life can be revealed. Charles Memorial Gardens on Point Lookout Road in Leonardtown, Maryland, holds a large tombstone featuring the etching of a church with a trefoil above the door. That trefoil is a representation of the Trinity so the church must be Christian. This is one of those headstones shared by a married couple. The story it tells is one of deaths that have come too soon. She died at 33, he died at 49. The symbols above their names indicate that he was a Mason, and she was the female counterpart, an Eastern star. In front of the large headstone is a smaller marker, still waiting for its occupant. The man found love again, and just three years before he would die, he was married again. A search for an obituary reveals he had succumbed to a long illness and left behind two children and several stepchildren. But the part of his story that this episode focuses on is not about what happened to him, but what happened to his first wife, and why today there are rumors that a high school harbors her ghost. Chopticon High School was established in 1965 to serve the St. Mary's County Public Schools in Maryland and is located in the city of Morganza. The school has gained itself a reputation for excellence in marching band, and their band is known as the Show Band of Southern Maryland. It was a music teacher that would find the murdered body of Beverly Joe Heater, whom everyone called Peachy. She was a well-liked teacher, and her murder would affect the students at Chopticon High School for years as well as the residents of St. Mary's County. Most people have that one teacher that they remember their whole lives. The one who perhaps gave them some extra attention to get through a tough subject or a rough patch in life. Or perhaps this was a teacher of a favorite subject. Beverly Jo Heater was that teacher for some students. Principal Dwight Jekiel said of her, She was a very pleasant person. She got along well with people. Spent a lot of time in the community. It sounds trite now, but she was the kind of person parents would want their son or daughter to spend time with. Students said that she was always checking up on them and making sure they were okay. Beverly genuinely was interested in the lives of her students. Beverly Joe Rifle was born on July 18, 1951, in West Virginia, to Benjamin Jack Rifle. And that's really all I could find on her early life. That's what makes the information on headstones so important. I know that at some point she decided to become a teacher and married Samuel Heater, with whom she had two sons, Samuel and Brian. Based on cemetery records, Brian himself passed away in 2018 at the age of 37. Beverly had worked at Chopticon High School for 13 years and was a business teacher and had been in charge of the student bookstore and youth employment program. On August 3rd, 1984, she was in her classroom preparing for the upcoming school year by working on the curriculum and schedules. There were other teachers doing the same, and there was an 18-year-old summer custodian named Lester Broom cleaning the halls. At some point around lunchtime, Beverly was attacked in her second-floor classroom and dragged 20 feet to a girl's restroom, where she was found dead by the music teacher three hours later. The investigation found that she had been stabbed in the neck from behind in the classroom and then was dragged to the restroom, where she was raped and stabbed again. A blood trail led to this conclusion. A search of the school turned up the murder weapon above a ceiling tile in the first floor boys' restroom, along with blood-splattered pants. That murder weapon was an 8-inch kitchen knife. The police immediately looked to Lester Broom as their suspect. Some narratives claim that Broom was just sitting outside on the curb when the police arrived, but I don't think that's what happened. Broom had been a former student at Chopticon, and although he had not taken any classes with Beverly, the two were thought to have probably known each other. Broom was arrested at a juvenile halfway house named Loretta House, and he was charged with first-degree murder and first-degree rape on August 6th and held without bond. He initially pled not guilty by reason of insanity. State laws prevented anyone from obtaining information as to why Broome was at the halfway house, but he was working at the school under a federal jobs program. Two weeks after the murder, Broome was indicted by a St. Mary's County grand jury on charges of rape and murder. This was a nine-count indictment, and the assistant state's attorney, F. Michael Harris, was considering asking for the death penalty. On June 7, 1985, Lester Broome changed his plea and pled guilty to first-degree murder. Judge Jacob S. Levine set sentencing for July 9, 1985, and St. Mary's Assistant State's Attorney Walter Dorsey said the maximum penalty Broom could receive would be consecutive life sentences for the murder and sex offense charges, plus 18 months for the petty theft charge. Clearly, Broom had pled guilty so that he would not face the death penalty. As to what the sentence ultimately was, I couldn't find any information. I believe he more than likely got life in prison without parole. I did locate Broom as still being incarcerated at the Western Correctional Institution of Maryland, and he is currently 57 years old. The Heater family filed a $9 million lawsuit charging the county superintendent, the Board of Education, and representatives of the area's private industry council with civil rights violations resulting from their gross negligence, hiring, and lack of proper supervision of Lester Broom. The suit was filed August 5, 1985 in U.S. District Court in Baltimore. The private industry council was made up of local business representatives. Their job was to oversee the distribution of local aid under the terms of the Federal Job Training Partnership Act. And as I stated earlier, some more information that I got from the cemetery records indicates that although Samuel only survived his wife Beverly by 15 years, he did manage to go on with their six-year-old and three-year-old sons and found love again with a woman named Deborah. Hers is the headstone that is in front of their couple stone. of hauntings going on at Chopticon High School started almost immediately after the murder. Staff and students claimed to hear the clicking of high heels in the second floor hallway when no one was in the hallway. And this is the most common occurrence. One source claimed she and her friends were standing in one of the hallways of Chopticon High School when they heard phantom footsteps. Footsteps sounding like high heels clicking down the hall and walking right next to where they were standing. Needless to say, they were spooked and fled the hallway immediately. Feelings of impending doom and an air of uneasiness are quite often felt by students and even teachers that go to Coptican High School to this day. The bathroom where her body was left has unexplained things happen at times as well. I have heard that the high school has undergone some renovations and so it looks a lot different on the inside, but that hasn't toned down the hauntings. A member of Three Notch Paranormal Investigations wrote, When I went to Chopticon High School, I spent the night in the smaller auditorium during a cheerleading fundraising night. The girls and I were terrified to stay at the school, even though the stories of hauntings weren't quite so popular back then. The school still carried an air of something isn't right here, intended to creep most of us out to the point where we didn't want to leave the auditorium without a large group of girls going together. I never heard footsteps or experienced blatant paranormal activity, except the feeling of something being around us, a feeling that I never quite shook like someone was always watching us. Danielle wrote in 2020, I attended Chopticon High School and had several classes on the particular hallway of her classroom and the bathroom where she was found. The hallway itself has a strange aura and the bathroom is very eerie. It's cold and unsettling to the point during her traveling to my typing and record keeping class, I stopped using it. I would walk the distance to use another bathroom. My seat in typing class was in the front near the door and I could tell you many times I looked up and out into the hallway because I could hear heels clicking down the hall. Then I would look up and see no one. I did not even know the story of Mrs. Heater until years after I graduated. I generally do not subscribe to the idea of ghosts or the paranormal, but the feeling of that particular part of the school was very real. A woman named Brandy wrote in 2020, I owned her old house, and it too was haunted. There were dark shadows. Dogs would bark for no reason as if someone was there. Laundry detergent would fly off the shelf and bust all over the kitchen floor in the middle of the night. We'd hear someone walking up the front deck steps, and there'd be nobody there. My young child would have screaming fits in the bedroom at night, and lock eyes with something in the corner, something I couldn't see. I would take her out of the room, and then she'd be fine. Beverly Heater was one of those teachers that is hard to forget, and her death left a memorable imprint on the school, and she also left her spirit there. Is Beverly still roaming the halls of her former school and home? That is for you to decide. I want to give special thanks to Cameron Radke for suggesting this haunted true crime. I also, in my research, stumbled upon this poem that was shared by a young person using the name Casper's Haunting. It's called The Ghost Teacher. The school is closed, the children gone, but the ghost of a teacher lingers on. As the daylight fades, as the daytime ends, as the night draws in and the dark descends, she stands in the classroom as clear as glass, and calls the names of her absent class. The school is shut, the children groan, but the ghost of the teacher all alone puts the date on the board and moves about as the night draws in and the stars come out. Between desks a glow in the gloom, and calls for quiet in the silent room. The school is a ruin, the children fled, but the ghost of the teacher, long time dead. As the moon comes up and the first owls glide, puts on her coat and steps outside. In the moonlit playground, shadow-free, she stands on duty with a cup of tea. The school is forgotten, the children forget, but the ghost of a teacher lingers yet. As the night creeps up to the edge of day, she tidies the plasticine away, counts the scissors a shimmer of glass, and says, off you go, to her absent class. She utters the words that no one hears, picks up her bag and disappears. Thanks so much for listening to History Goes Bump's Phantasmal Crime. If you'd like to share with us a haunted crime that you've heard about, please write us at historyghostbump at gmail.com. I've been your host, Diane. Join me on the next episode for another trip through the shadows. This has been a production of History Goes Bump podcast.